Welcome to the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil Grogan. I'm here with... Matthew Statler. Long pause there for dramatic effect. That's right. <laughs> well, we're back again. Uh, Matt, we're, we're super stoked, as they would say on the West Coast, um, to continue in on our series on navigating chronic illness. And so last week we kind of talked about the overall topic and um, if you have a chronic illness and you've had it for a while, how are you doing in that, right? <laughs> like, how are you navigating that currently? But today we we kind of wanted to take a different angle at the subject matter, right? We wanted to kind of think through what is the perspective a friend, a family member, a church fellow church member should have for their friend who has a chronic illness? How do we walk with each other through that? How do you minister to someone you love who has a new diagnosis, right? Or a, or a chronic illness, like what we've been talking about. You know, Matt, I think uh, one of the most difficult things um, for us to do when someone is suffering is to not put our foot in our mouth <laughs> and to not, um, not to booger up a relationship. And so a lot of times I have seen what people do is they, they, they tend to separate or gain distance from that person who's suffering out of fear for saying the wrong thing or out of fear for not knowing what to say or how to even help. Um, so, you know, I think it's worthwhile for us to kind of talk about how, how can we help? What could we say? Uh, how do we love well, or, uh, as it's been said, how do we minister mercy to one another? What do you think about that? Yeah, Neil, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? Um, in scripture, we see people, give comfort in different ways. Um, so not only in our own personal experience, do we do it differently? Like people come and smother or people uh, retain or, re or or refrain from getting too close out of fear of not knowing what to say. But I've been reading through Job as part of my reading plan. And as I'm reading through, I'm like, man, uh, Job's advisors, Job's counselors, Job's friends, uh, you know, hold that term loosely. Uh, they give some seemingly solid advice. I mean, they, they seem to have right knowledge of, um, of God and, and suffering. Yet we see at the end of Job, a rebuking of them. And even Job says, you guys are miserable comforters. You guys are, are really uh, not helping. And so even in scripture, we see uh, how not to comfort somebody. And, but we also see how to comfort someone. Um, so, yeah, I think, there's a tendency for us to withdraw or step away. But what if you can't withdraw, right? What if it's your own child who is suffering from a, a um, chronic illness or maybe your mother uh, and you, you can't, you can't um, really get away from them. So one of the things that Neil and I have been talking about is how do we encourage someone who is walking through chronic suffering, chronic illness, um, you know, and, and that's ultimately illness where we don't see an end to it. Um, that's probably going to uh, last their whole lives and, and even could cause death in the long run. Um, and this is a, a, a painful topic because we're grieving ourselves as we help someone walk through this. 
Um, and we actually are going to have some some good uh, first person insight into this from um, another source when we get the chance to interview them. Uh, so be be looking for that coming up. But Neil, you had mentioned um, one book called a, The Crook in the Lot by yeah. a guy named Thomas Boston. 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 Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Crook in the Lot, you know, written by an old Puritan. Um, but he, he's kind of playing off of this, um, imagery given to us in Ecclesiastes by Solomon of this crooked stick essentially. Right. <laughs> and, but, but he's trying to address people who are suffering, who are, who are afflicted and helping them to see their affliction or see their lot, but in the right way. And one of the things that he says, and I'm going to quote it in the old English, uh, for you uh, nerds out there, <laughs> but he says this, but wouldst thou be quieted and satisfied in the matter, lift up thine eyes towards heaven, see the doing of God in it, the operation of his hand. Look at that and consider it well. I, the first cause of the crook in thy lot, behold how it is the work of God, his doing. And what um, this dear friend is doing is he's helping us to see a certain attribute characteristic of God, and that is God's sovereignty and his wisdom. And as we better understand the sovereignty of God and his all, all, all wis, all knowing wise ways, um, we can look at what we're dealing with as something that's given from him. And you might say, well, friends, that that's really hard to hear because I'm dealing with terminal cancer, you know? And I can say to you, it's a very difficult to wrestle with, but it is only the Lord who, who can give you this, can take it away, who can help you navigate through to bring you home to glory um, like God does all of these things according to the counsel of his own will, and it's for his glory and it's for ultimately our good. And so there are principles, there are things we must consider as we uh, view our circumstances, right? We need to view our circumstances through a biblical lens. But now we're talking about as if we're a loved one, right, Matt? Uh, or that our loved one is the one with the chronic illness. And so I think um, what this Puritan's um, encouragement to us would be is I think Thomas Boston would say is it is our duty to help our friends to remember the character of God. Because in when the heat comes, when the circumstances are the most difficult, it is the easiest things to forget or to begin to think ill of the one who made us and loves us and saved us. Uh, and so we must encourage to remind, man, God is sovereign and he's also wise. And we don't know how all this is working together totally yet. We can't see the full picture, but we know that this, this lot <laughs> is from him and only he can straighten it. Um, or keep it there because it's his. Knowing God's character in this is, is I think, um, central because uh, one of the things I, I notice is when bad things happen to me, 
I begin, I question, uh, is God greater? Is God good? And if I know that God is good, I know his character. And so even though I feel like he is cutting into me through affliction, um, sort of like a surgeon doing an operation, I know that he is not doing it to harm me. Uh, if you think about surgery and you think about a man coming at you with a knife, if you know his character, you know who he is. He's a surgeon. His job is to cut you open and to remove the cancer. You are much less inclined to freak out and run away. Um, but if you have some person in a dark alley coming at you with a knife, obviously you're going to want to run because you're like, what is this person doing? You don't know the character of that person. Um, and so we have to know who God is and we have to know he's in control. Uh, the sovereignty of God is so important in our suffering. And so as I'm thinking about helping someone else, um, let's say it's a, um, a friend that says, hey, I have gotten diagnosed with this chronic illness or a family member or a child, and I want to listen. Um, that's really my first step. Listen to what they're going through. Listen to their heart. Listen to um, what they are experiencing. Uh, and listen in particular for where God is in this situation. What is their theology of suffering? Um, in many ways, God reveals our theology through our suffering. Uh, so when I begin to suffer, is it something that, oh, a mean God is doing to hurt me? Um, is it an unjust thing that is happening to me? Or am I just becoming so depressed because I don't understand and I just want to be miserable? And trusting God through pain and suffering is, uh, is not easy. And so I want to listen. I want to hear what they're saying, what um, they're experiencing. And then part of my role to encourage is to direct them to Christ Jesus. My, my goal as a, um, as a friend is to point them as kind of as Thomas Boston, uh, Boston is saying is show them he is the one who gives the lot and he is the only one that can make it worthwhile. Um, right. He is the, the, the true physician of the soul cutting the cancer of unbelief. And so we want to really talk to um, our, our friends so we begin by listening, listen well, listen to what's going on, and don't immediately try to give answers. But we do want to point them to God, his goodness, and his sovereignty. Um, and and that's where we start at with this, this listening. Yeah, and sometimes, Matt, you do that, you, you point them to those things and how you pray for them. Right. So, like, I think it's important that we understand, okay, so my friend, my loved one has this chronic illness, they're struggling, right? If it's a new thing, then, of course, I'm engaging them, I'm, I'm seeking to love them well, I'm going to listen to what's going on, how they express what they believe, what they desire, um, uh, we're going to pay attention to how they're reacting to situations and how they're taking this information in, especially on the newer side of a diagnosis. But if you're dealing with uh, a dear loved one who's been wrestling with this for some time, right, you've already sat in that and been in presence with them. But, you know, a wise person listens before they speak. They seek to understand uh, what's going on. They don't just stick their foot in their mouth, right, which is the fear that keeps us from often engaging with these loved ones. Um so we want to make sure we listen, like Matt said. Uh, but when we do speak, how do we speak? How do we do it? I think uh, sometimes sometimes it's hard to outright say things to other people. But we can, 
in our prayers. And especially if we follow, follow some sort of like adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication style of prayers, um, man, we can remember who God is. How is it when you're praying for someone dealing with chronic illness, what attributes of God are applicable that we need to remember and they need to adore God for having these things, for being this way? You know, sovereign is one I can think of for being the giver of all goodness, <laughs> you know, um, so on and so forth. Right. But then we can also confess like, Lord, we confess we don't understand. In fact, we rebel against what we've received even, and, and we hate it. And Lord, we know ultimately it's from you. So you can pray for your loved one in a way that brings theological and biblical care, uh, clarity around the issue that they may be wrestling with. Yeah, we and we absolutely, we can say, you know, listen, God does give us more than we can handle. Um, there, There's no passage that says God will never give people more than they can handle. And so um, part of acknowledging that we need desperately the Lord's help in this, uh, that we don't or we're not required to, to do this on our own strength. And so um, part of your listening and um, encouraging through your prayers, praying for them is encouraging them to recognize that their own resources are probably not sufficient to do this. And so also you as the encourager, you as the the partner in their suffering, you need help as well. Um, if you're a caregiver and your child is chronically ill, uh, you need the church. Uh, you need other believers that will walk alongside you and maybe um, give you a, a short break so that you can uh, go and get your hair cut or go and get some tasks done and see if someone else will come and sit with your loved one and read to them um, or just encourage them. You never, you never know what, what blessing that will be to the, the one that's suffering. I mean, I, I'm thinking about, you know, like a younger child who is maybe um, stuck in bed uh, going through chemotherapy or, or something like that. Um, you don't have to be there at you know, yourself, like you are not the one that can rescue them by being there all the time. So you do need time um, to get other things done. But then this gives an opportunity for that young one to have influence from other believers, which will be a great encouragement to them um, as well, being part of the body. Yeah, it reminds me, Matt, of uh, someone who once um, was kind of navigating some things with and their child was diagnosed with this chronic illness and they traveled the country, went to conferences over what all this disease meant, uh, tried to look, get, gather as much information they could gather and, and really kind of trying to ultimately be the savior, right? Or find the solution. Of course that didn't work out that way. Um, and, there was this big kind of doubt or sigh or despair, despondency, you know, um, because of that. And I think that's important, you know, like Thomas Boston said earlier in that, in the book, the crook in the law or in that work, um, 
you know, the Lord is the one who gives <laughs> the crook. <laughs> the The Lord is the one who establishes the lot. He, he, you can't straighten the stick. You can't make yourself straight. And we all have a crook in us. <laughs> you know, we all are crooked. We, we can't, we don't have it within us. We don't have the capacity within us to fix it. And so our response should not be, okay, my child has this. I must now figure out how to save them. Now, it does not mean you don't gather information, you don't all this kind of thing. How can I help them? Well, what it does mean, though, is that you, you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You cast your cares upon him because he cares about you and your kid. He loves your kid more than you do. And you go to the body of Christ and have other brothers and sisters lock arms with you because you cannot do it by yourself. Um, and so that's a real, really, you need to be encouraged that, man, God has saved you into a community for these moments, you know, um, to walk with, walk with, walk through difficult, difficult times together, um, for the sake of his name. So part of, of encouraging is, is helping folks to find their true source of comfort, mm -hmm. uh, their true source of hope. Uh, and obviously Neil and I believing in the sufficiency of scripture, uh, see scripture as a treasure trove of, of hope and help. And so not only do we go to something like the Psalms where there's lament Psalms, where David is specifically crying out or, or the psalmist is very specific in their language as to what they're crying out. They're crying out directly to God, their complaints, their bones are not in joint. They feel like everything hurts, their body aches, they're deteriorating. The This earthly body is being destroyed. And so... Uh, teaching teaching your loved one that is experiencing this, teaching them how to pray the Psalms uh, will be integral uh, for them to find comfort. But also in that, um, teaching them to see that Christ came and suffered uh, as a human for us. And I think this is a, an important area that you want uh your loved one to to understand is that that we don't have a distant savior right we don't have a capricious god who is causing uh, pain and suffering for for no reason uh, we can take them to some a text like romans 8 that talks about nothing will separate us from the the love of god uh, even a failure of your body due to a chronic illness um, or something where you're unable to control uh, even the very actions and movements that you take, the, the humbling of it, uh, helping them to meditate on um, the end of, of the life of Christ through the crucifixion and betrayal and um, the death and resurrection can be very beneficial to your loved one. Um, so maybe reading through those passages and, and talking about ways that it's encouraged you. Uh, another thing that I think that, that we miss out a lot is on Thanksgiving. Um, you know, thanking the Lord for the life that we've lived. You know, this is something we do um, at funerals and at, at when we're grieving is we take time to remember um, the good things that God has given us in our life. And um, it, this is a, a hard thing. So I'm not saying that this is something that you do right away. Um, but as your relationship 
with the one that is suffering grows and continues and, and you develop currency, um, look at, at your life with eyes of faith and, and, and thank God for the, the gifts that he has given um, to you, uh, whether it be um, uh, a life that has some excitement, whether it be the joy that's come in that life, um, or just the love that have been that has been brought in uh, through the existence of that person. There's there's so many variable ways that you can thank God um, when everything is is dark and gloomy. Um, but ultimately, it's moving people forward and having eyes of faith. Uh, another area the Puritans excelled at, Neil, as I think we brought this up before, is um, thinking about the new heavens and the new earth, thinking about um, what happens when we die, what what we're looking forward to. Um, John Bunyan calls it the celestial city, right? As, as we walk through this life and experience the trials and temptations and sufferings in this life, we have a city where there is no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow. And that's where we're walking towards. So all this life is preparation for that. And um, the crucible that we go through now, the, the burning away of the dross is is happening uh, for preparation for this coming city. And so it God is, is removing the grip on the things of this earth that we uh, used to hold so dearly. And this removing is is a way of preparing us uh, for this, uh, this great salvation. Uh, so to sum up pretty quickly, we talked about character of God in our suffering. We talked about um, lamenting and encouraging through prayer and through the Psalms. We talked about adjusting our thinking and, and dwelling on Christ and his work, as well as being thankful for the things that we have in our lives. Um, and finally, uh, or I guess in the middle, we talked about uh, the importance of the local church, of other believers that could come and, and walk not only with the one that is suffering, but also the encourager of the sufferer, the one that is walking with the sufferer. Neil, did you have anything else you wanted to add on that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when we're talking about ministry of mercy, we also we cannot neglect the physical needs of the sufferer. I think it's important that we uh, talk through um, that as listening is a major component of how we're uh, gathering data about somebody uh, to try and, you know, serve them, love them well. Um, we also have to kind of ascertain how we can help them physically. You know, if it's, if your loved one is, uh, you know, an adult and maybe it's a newer diagnosis, there's some immediate needs while they're going to appointments. You can provide food and uh, take care of dogs and mow the grass. Oh, I had a, a good friend of mine who had uh, terminal cancer and uh, he was he was having to drive out for chemo treatments like nonstop. And so you know, me and a couple other guys figured out how we could, you know, keep their grass, main, their house maintained, their grass mode, their, you know, those kind of things that he couldn't do um, and couldn't do for his family either. Um, there are, if you see that there are small children involved, um, you, you might say, hey, can I come and read a story? Can I come and invest in them? You know, 
Um, there, there's so many things. Can I bring you groceries? You know, when we have this pandemic hit, Matt, a lot of people who had these serious sicknesses, like they could not leave their house because if you mix COVID into the, into the equation, it could be deathly for them. And so, um, there are so many ways the church at large can love and minister physical needs. Uh, I think it's important that we are paying attention to the people who are around us. And, and that if you're, if you're the parent of a loved one in this situation, it's important that you voice your needs to the body of Christ. That that's a that you know that's so important because people do not know how to help, um, and so a lot of people just wait to be asked. And I know it can be exhausting to ask people for help um, and then be rejected, right? Sometimes people will say, "Oh, sorry, we're busy or can't do it," and you can feel like that's a, a condemnation against you, or um, it can it kind of lead you to a little bit of despair, and um, ultimately. <clears throat> uh, Partly, we do also have a responsibility to ask for help uh, when we need it as as well. And so don't don't neglect that and, um, and give people the opportunity. You know, I, I was talking to one, um, a, a family member of mine, and uh, her and her husband used to be the biggest givers. Like they would give money, they would give their time. They were always helping other people. Um, well, her husband passed away, and now it's just her. Well, she has Parkinson's and she just had a stroke and she's essentially, she's unable to drive herself anywhere. She's now almost totally dependent. Um, and when we, when we bring her to church, she's always saying, oh, you can't believe you guys have to stop and pick me up and all this stuff. And we're like, no, no, we get to, we love to. But think about how hard it is for someone who has their whole life, um, you know, 70, 80 years of life, have invested in others and helped others. And now all of a sudden you have to be humble enough to ask for help um, and inconvenience others. At least in your mind, you're saying it's an inconvenience. Um, think about the difficulty in that as, as you are looking to help that person and maybe just volunteer um, different ways you can help on a regular basis. Uh, and, and they may not know what they need help with. Um, right. And so, Sometimes just going over there for a few minutes and saying, "Hey, do you mind if I swap out your laundry for you?" Or, "Hey, you know, have you looked at um, your water gauge or your propane tank or the septic? Where you know, where's the septic at?" And uh, just little things that you can do that can you I know. Take your dog on a walk. Yeah, you know, can I take your dog? Or I, I like the kids' analogy. You know, can I take your kids to McDonald's and get them Happy Meals and let them run around in the McDonald playpen for 20, 30 minutes? Right. I mean. These are little things that that provide um, just small levels of comfort uh, to yeah. a weary, worn out soul who's been experiencing yeah, chronic illness for so long. Yeah, measures of grace, ordinary, you know, ordinary means of grace. You know, Matt, it kind of reminds me a lot of like when on the battlefield. You know, um, you're out there, you're in firefights, prolonged firefights. You're worried about life and death. It's high stress all the time you're you know your mind's racing all that kind of stuff's going on <laughs> and then uh you know you see someone you know fall down and it looks funny and everybody laughs you know and in that moment you forget all your 
your, your trouble or you sit down uh, or you get back inside the wire and you're going to eat and man, that MRE you wanted the whole time, like it's there, it's right for you. You know, that beef enchilada, baby, you know how to, you know how to cook it up and you right. eat it and you're, and you're full and you're happy, you know, and it's like those, those little, little things or some little Afghan local in my case, it would bring like some fruit every now and then and like having some fruit out in that heat, like a watermelon, you know, um, it's, 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 it's wonderful. It's, it's almost like life giving, like just for a moment, <sighs> it was the grace I needed to take another step. And so when we do these little physical acts of mercy for one another, um, and you may think it is inconsequential friends. It is not, it is that it is a, a, a relief, a reprieve for your soul, for a worn out person. You need to understand that when you're dealing with chronic illness, uh, especially when your loved one also is dealing with chronic illness, that whole family, um, man, it, it feels like war. It feels like every day. This is so hard and I don't know if I can get through it. And so when we show up for each other, man, it, it is a, it is a great grace, man. That, that is a love and good work, um, that brings glory to your King and, uh, and is good for our hearts because it, it keeps us, it helps us to hold fast to our, our hope, uh, when others love us in those ways. So, you know, I, I, I just want to encourage, uh, I know probably Matt, we probably need to land the plane here unless you have something to add. I wanted to read a quick verse from second Peter. Okay. Um, as Matt turns ahead. there, as Matt turns there and, and kind of brings us to a close, I just want to encourage our, everybody who's listening, man, be actively attentive to who is around you. If you are someone whose loved one is the one with the chronic illness, I want to encourage you um, to keep heart, to continue to press in, to be present, to encourage, to pray and to and to to minister well if you're seeing a family that you know in your church who is dealing with this uh, be attentive to the ways that god is calling you to serve and to love and to care for that other family or those friends of yours um, remember that god is sovereign and he's called them into this but he's called you uniquely for this time as well to walk with a friend and we need to strive to listen, to understand, uh, listen, to gain understanding so that we can encourage with right biblical truth, that we can love and minister physical needs um, because the Lord has put you in a position to do so. And so let, let us be, let us take a, a special affectionate care for those who are, who are dealing with chronic illness, Matt. Yeah, so First Peter, uh, it's just such a powerful um, book for sufferers anyways. But Peter is writing to uh, Jews or Christians who are suffering. And one of the things he says here in um, in First Peter chapter 3, or sorry, chapter 2, uh, verse 21, it says, For you were, all, you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example 
that you should follow in his steps, which is radical, right? Why would we have to suffer like Christ? He did not commit sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Uh, the, the Greek behind this really helps us understand that it says that Christ trusted God the Father. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed for you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Friends, help your um, suffering friends to return to the shepherd and overseer of their souls. Um, encourage them in this. Help them to trust God the Father in this suffering. Uh, it's not easy. It's not um, always a joyful thing, but it can be uh, redemptive, and it can um, increase faith, which increases holiness, which increases love, which increases joy and happiness. And God bless you all. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, uh, please leave us a message. Uh, give us a review on whatever your favorite podcast app is that you are listening to. Let us know if we missed something. Uh, maybe there's something you wish we had said that we didn't say. Um, and we'd love to hear that feedback. And uh, as we learn, you are learning with us. And as you learn, we want to learn with you. So God bless. Take care. Neil and Matt, we are out. Thank you.